It's time for Done Being Single with your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Scharf. If you're dating the same type over and over again, making the same mistakes and not finding love, then you're not done being single. What you need is some tough love dating intervention, Trevor and Robbie style. Whether you're new to dating or have been dating forever, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Sharp. Can we give ourselves a hand for yes. Here's a hand. tackling the tough topics? Because this show is about depression. <laughs> Sorry. That is a... It's about... <laughs> we, it's a... It's about dating and depression. What is that? Wait, so that would not be constituting that kind of a thing. So, uh, and you know, dating, we try to, exactly. Okay, so for the most part, we keep it light. You know, we, um, we have a good time with this show. We right. have fun. We have laughs. But I have to tell you something. We also do, we do, I'm not kidding, tackle the tough topics. We have to because it's emotional well-being uh and mental health is all part of uh living and loving and dating being single being in a relationship being married breaking up yes i mean it's as much of it as anything else what relationship doesn't include depression even the best i think have to have elements of that there's times where insecurities come in and things like this right? yes this is what we're talking and about today so Okay. And because it's a little heavy, I poured myself a glass of wine. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, uh, I'm I, not kidding. I wish we had video. I did not yet. Okay. Well, I'm going to wait. That's what breaks are so for. I have to engineer too. The last time we drank on the air was last St. Patrick's Day, uh, when I surprised us with a beer, with a with a Guinness. So, but today I'm nice. drinking on purpose. Wait, it is St. Patty's Day. Well, it just was. Okay, so it's the day after. Okay. Okay. So we're going to be talking about depression and trauma and dating, which, by the way, right, they all go hand in hand. Because okay. if you're dating, <laughs> I mean. If, if you're dating, we're waiting. Yeah. <laughs> but Okay, so according to online date, I did a little research. According to online dating magazine, about 18 million Americans suffer from depression and another 20 million worldwide use dating websites and apps each month. So it stands to reason there are people who will be in both groups, single and depressed, or at least depressed and dating. Dating while depressed can magnify some of your existing issues such as fatigue, irritability, low self-esteem, and reduced libido. So dating while being depressed is an issue you don't you, you want to try to avoid dating when you are in a depressed state. Well, we're going to we're going to talk about that. We're we've got a therapist on and you can ask her that because that's I, I a great will. question. And but it's not dating doesn't cause depression necessarily, so it's something that you you want to try to avoid dating if you are if you find yourself in that, that state, is I think. That's a so. very okay. good question because you yes, it could probably aggravate what already exists, but but you know it could also bring you joy at the same time. So it can hopefully alleviate the depression. I mean that's the hope. But can I be real for a second? I have suffered with anxiety. You know that, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't <laughs> don't laugh. I'm not laughing. I'm crying. It's no laughing matter. Uh, <laughs> So, and I will tell you, it was brutal tough being single and, and having uh, anxiety. Brutal tough at times. Of course, you wouldn't understand that because... Why? Because you're, you know, perfect. And very well adjusted mentally. But I will tell you, when I was single, oh my God, I... It pushed every button in my body, okay? Every, like, you know, the, ins- the uncertainty of it. The, the loss of or lack of control, the fear, you know, all the stuff that gets heightened anyway when you're single and dating, you add, if you add anxiety to that, holy shit, and, it's just off the charts. And I have witnessed that where you have a tendency to go to the darkest place you, first. Yeah, you know that and as, you know that in me as a married person. Yes. Which it's been 
it's subsided a lot. It's definitely, I feel like, you know, things have calmed down, but, oh, we man. We haven't experienced this in almost 48 hours. Uh, right. You never know. <laughs> you never know when it's going to... Uh. It's going to happen again, yeah. but but for single people, uh, and even people coupled up people, I mean, just it just it doesn't magically go away just because you're married or in a relationship. You just have to manage it. It's yeah, been proven, and you have been a great partner in that for me. Um, but whoa, when you're single, and you know you're out there, and there's so many different aspects of honesty and how to tell someone and how to communicate and how to deal with it and how to it's a lot and I've I, I thought it was worth having a show about it is it definitely don't you is. think so well, it's it's one of those topics that they don't get discussed and it's something that we can't shy away from because it is part of relationships it's it's part of healing yourself in order to be better in a relationship so you can bring the better person that you know you are to somebody new and grow from there but yes as you said just because we are in a secure marriage doesn't mean that you don't have bouts of insecurity or any of us do at times it, it can happen uh, we experienced that and that and scary as it may be in that moment we get through it and it's... Yeah, well, I also, over the years, have learned some coping skills, some coping mechanisms, which have, have helped. And I really, I don't like living with anxiety. I don't dig it one bit. And I certainly didn't want to bring it into the relationship and then burden you with it. But I was open with it. I, I told you I was honest. But it's very hard because you feel like, uh, you know, when you're telling someone some kind of truth about yourself that might not be very um, flattering or attractive or sexy you know you kind of choke up and you wonder oh god i can't tell this person this because then they're not going to like me and then that that just adds to more anxiety and more depression right so it's um now can you see why we have this show i i, I mean it's not uh, it, it, i saw it earlier right I it's knew, not um okay i just it you know i i see the connections between this and dating and again self-improvement and how to be a better person and this is uh, or how to acknowledge what's going on inside of ourselves so we can uh, address them and, and be better with others. And uh, it's, you know, this show is, we, we say it's a dating show. It's, it's a relationship show, relationships that you have with uh, not just a partner, but family, friends, business associates. How, it's everything. Yes. It, it affects everything. How about it's a relationship show with yourself? Hmm. Okay, because let's face it, people, the relationship you have with yourself is better be good because that's the one that's going to last. I love myself. Yes, I love we myself. Love, we love ourselves. We, uh, we do. So, it's, it's a really important point. Right. So with that said, you know, this is all about self-care. This is all under the umbrella of being a better person, better dater, on the way to taking care of yourself, you will become just better all around. Well, I think what we've also, we come in contact with so many of our friends, and as we are getting older, and we're in our 50s, 60s, and not everybody is hooked up. Not everybody has a relationship. And I think uh, we, we go uh, home at night together. Many of our friends, our single friends, go home alone. And yes. what happens when they lay down on their pillow and they're thinking, I wish I had somebody. It, it's, it's an easy place to go to be a little depressed about your social situation at any time. And right. I think that it happens to all of us. And we want to make sure that people are aware that it's okay to feel that. And let's try to get them to the other side of it. Let's Everybody deserves there. love. Everyone deserves it, and nothing should stop you from having it. No issue or personal problem. It's all, you know, nobody's perfect. The The key is being on it and attending to it and uh, managing it. There's a flip side here, and, too, that I, 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 I'll, I'll address with Katrine when she comes on, and that is uh, sometimes uh, you can be in a relationship and be more depressed than you would be if you were single oh yeah so you know what what is worse you know 
So well, you know we'll, the old we'll saying, that. I'd rather be alone than be in a relationship and wish I was alone. And I think that many people wouldn't ever cop to that. They though. don't cop to it. They don't arrive at that conclusion. They don't, they, they can't see their way to that point. No, it's so a, it's is, a vicious cycle. You know, you you're depressed because you're alone or you're single and then that makes you more depressed, which keeps you more single yeah. or keeps you single longer or name it. It just it's just just goes in a loop. So, at some point the cycle has to break. And hopefully today we are going to give everybody some information and tools and tips. Because um, no, you're not alone out there. Oh my God, no! So not alone. So not alone. Yeah. So, and then we're going to address trauma, because maybe because it's depression and trauma uh, go hand in hand, but they're not necessarily. I mean, they're a little different, and that's a whole other thing: dating with trauma, dating after a trauma, or dating a trauma survivor. Oh, that's, there's a... That comes with, with its yeah, own set of challenges. That's a show. Uh, yes. Because right? there's a, well, a- absolutely, you need to know how to deal with somebody who has experienced that and, and how to be sensitive to that and not feed into it so it gets worse. You want to help them through it so uh, they are better, you are better, you're better together. That's, uh, that's some yeah, heavy stuff. It is heavy but so necessary to discuss um and we are going to bring on a therapist and actually a guest who has suffered with depression and has had challenges and with suicidal thoughts and other things and we're going to get it we're going to really get into it and i want to tell you what i read in psychology today okay about trauma individuals with unresolved traumas For individuals with unresolved traumas, the mate selection process often carries a double risk in that the unhealed wounds of past trauma in your life lead to a higher likelihood that unsafe people will pick you and you will end up picking an unsafe person. Hmm. I swear I, I see that all the time. I've seen it in myself at times and I do see that with friends and we're going to address that too because that's a cycle you need to break. And can be broken. Well, so we will... We're On that, take, I'm going to pour myself another glass of wine. Okay, we're going to take a first break, and then we're going to come back on with our guests. So we will be right back. We are back. We are back, and uh, we're talking about dating and depression and all kinds of mental stuff. And without further ado, I want to introduce Sharon Greenwald, who is actually a friend of mine and someone who can speak honestly about the topic because she has suffered with depression and has gone through divorce and actually um, knows a thing or two about suicide attempts, which thankfully she was not successful at. Mm. Thank God, uh, because otherwise she wouldn't be on our podcast. So thank you for that. Uh, Sharon Greenwald, is aside from being my good friend, is a successful advertising writer in New York City. Upon awakening from a coma in 2016, Sharon was inspired to write her first book, detailing a lifelong struggle with depression and suicidal thoughts. Her purpose is to eradicate the stigma of mental illness and suicide by providing a firsthand account of the thinking and feelings that drive someone to take their life. She also aspires to spread hope to the world that when life gets hard, there is always a way out. The trick is finding the right person to show you the door. Sharon Greenwald. Welcome. Come on in, babe. Hello. Here's your door. Welcome. Step on in. How are you, Sharon? I'm good. That's good. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much. So, Sharon, tell us a little bit about your story. Okay. I'll. I got divorced in 2006, and I immediately went into a depression. Even though I asked for the divorce, not realizing how messed up I was, and I pretty much planned on um, killing myself for 10 years. I knew I was going to do it, and I made out a will for my kids, and I hoarded pills, and I did all the stuff. And then uh, July 4th weekend came about, and that was my trigger that I just I wasn't spending another weekend like that alone. So I took the pills and oh survived. That's pretty much my story. Uh, was it being alone that triggered this? Yeah, my, my fear is dying alone. But that's what you were going to do 
and yet you were did you know is that what you what occurred to you like I'm if you that's your fear but I'm going to do it anyway you don't think like that when you're dumb I mean I have kids and I didn't even think that they were going to care if I was dead or not so you're not in your right mind you're not thinking rationally at all I just wanted to end the pain and ending the pain meant ending my life was the pain constant and every day or did it come in waves every once in a while it was constant especially my uh, ex-husband got remarried and the kids uh, stay mostly at his house and you know they're just like a new family extended family and and i always thought yeah i'm i'm the loser who's always alone and okay so you get divorced and it triggered what depression that might have already been there were, were you struggling before you got married and during the marriage obviously you were or else you wouldn't yeah, have there, divorce. there were periods when um like i had postpartum after having um, my daughter and yeah, there were episodes where I did suffer depression. I just didn't realize it was depression because I only know what I know. So being upset for six weeks to me is normal. And then someone else would be like, you should get over it after a few days. So, yeah. Sharon, did you seek out any help at this time, professional help? Uh, before my yeah. suicide? Yes. Well, that's a funny story. <laughs> I actually uh, went to a social worker and I found out that she was ripping me off. So. Oh, God. So much for getting help. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, she said, "Well, you're not going to see me anymore." I was like, "How can I trust you? You're t you're stealing money from me." She was overcharging me because she felt New York City was so expensive. She needed more money, so <laughs> that was my help. That's funny. Yeah. Sort of not. That'll, <laughs> okay, that'll so, send you over the edge too. All right. So when you when you attempt suicide, do they just automatically uh, put you into some kind of treatment, and whether you like it or not, and are you assigned someone or do you, did you, I mean, you were seeing someone, did you have, I don't know how this, these things work. So tell us. Well, I was in a coma for almost a week. And then when I woke up, I had what they called the babysitter. There was someone with me 24 seven. So there were two shifts of different nurses because they were afraid, like, maybe I'll try to kill myself again. Plus, I mean, I couldn't get out of bed, but, and then after nine days, all of a sudden I'm told, you're not going home. I thought I was just gonna go home, go back to work. Everything's all normal. And they're like, I mean, I took 200 pills. This wasn't, this wasn't a cry for help. This was a serious suicide. And they're like, no, you're going to psych. And I was like, oh my God. And I'm in New York City. So, you know, some of the places are a little uh, right. spicy, you could say. So my sister got me into a good place in Westchester, but um, it, it was a trip. I mean, but you know what? You're very humbled there because you see that all people from all walks of life, they suffer the same things you do. They may not even speak English. They may, they may be homeless. But you know what? We're all human. And I think the world has forgotten that. We all have feelings. We all want love. And I don't know why it has to be so hard, but it, just, it is. Okay, so question. As you were healing, and, and my guess is the healing is, it's a process. I mean, it is. It's a process. And everyone's a work in progress. 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 What is it? Progress. Work in progress. Yes. Sorry. Uh, what have you gleaned? Well, I'm on meds now. I know that I'm not worthless and that my children love me. And um, But one problem I do have is that when I start dating someone new, it's like, oh, hey, guess what? I tried killing myself and it was serious. And there's a stigma already with suicide and depression. So I don't know if anyone's ever going to date me again, even though I'm actually better than most of them because I had so much therapy and help that I'm actually in a great place. Is this something that uh, obviously you may struggle with in terms of how to be honest with a partner? When yeah, because I wrote a book, so this is not this is something that's coming out. Like I want to help people around the world, so I'm not Great. keeping it to myself. That's why I need to tell whoever I'm dating. So yeah, it's it's a problem. It takes a it takes a strong man to uh, be with you and accept that and see the growth and. Uh, and love you, and that's. I think that's important. Are you, are you dating now? I am trying to date now. Okay. Okay. What does that look like? Well, they don't even know that my past, and I still can't get them to like come out for a date. <laughs> I don't know what people's problem is these days, but uh, you know, it's oh, just meet me for a drink, and all of a sudden they just disappear, or they can't do it, or you know, I don't know. These online sites are not working for me. But I'm in my 50s, so, so I mean, I got 
the 20 somethings that want to be with me. That's wonderful. Yeah. So the online sites, uh, are you finding some better than others or are they all similar? They're not great for me. Okay. Um, I mean, Tinder obviously was a bad one, but, um, even Bumble, I, I don't know. I don't get it. Okay. Well, that has nothing to do with your yeah, emotional well being. Right. It just is what it is. Yeah. But but once you have you met have you gotten serious with anybody since and how did you bring it up and how was the subject broached? I'm curious. Well, it was with um a guy I dated actually for a little over two years, Jorge. And uh, before we got intimate, I wanted him to know because I wanted to give him a chance to run away so that you know, it was fair to him and it was also fair to me. I don't want to get attached to someone and then they run away because then they find out the truth. And and he was amazing about it. He has his he has his own skeletons. We all do. And I accepted his and he accepted mine and it was a really nice relationship. It was a really honest relationship. Are you still seeing each other? Not really. But you learned that you can be with somebody again. And it's not the darkest thing in the world. And uh, it, it, it has to be reassuring, I think, to a, a large degree for you. Oh, yeah, it was wonderful. But moving forward, it's, I don't know, it's, it's an issue. You know, I don't know. I can't be on the other side of the fence because I've never been on the other side of the fence. But if someone said to me, oh, yeah, I, I, I try to kill myself and it was really serious, I don't even know how I would react. Right. That's uh, putting yourself in the other person's place. I have not ever dated someone with, no, I, you know what? I probably did date people with depression, but it was, it was hidden and it was hidden by addiction. That's probably how they showed it to me. And I have dated addicts before and that's no easy task at all because that's just another category of, of mental I guess, I don't know if you'd call it addiction is mental illness, but I do, have, I do have some experience in that. And it's tough. I'm not going to lie. It's tough dating. It's tough dating an addict. And maybe we'll save that for another episode. But uh, whether you regardless of on what end of it, it, it you're you are, it's challenging, but it's not insurmountable. And Sharon, I know you and I would say that this has probably made you that much deeper has given you character it's given you more depth and it's something that you should kind of wear a little bit you know sort of proudly i, I guess i think writing a book is going to be yes uh, that for her i think it's very cathartic and probably uh enables her to uh, get her message out and you know not hide behind anything and that's it's quite impressive should we bring on our sure, sure. Our guest, sure, sure. Dr. Katrine? Okay. So we're going to bring on our expert here who deals with this all the time, every day, and has made a practice of it. Katrine Villamil, LMFT, is an LA-based excuse me, marriage and family therapist. Her mental health background has included private psychiatric facilities, working with child abuse and domestic violence victims, domestic abuse perpetrators, as well as with the, de the developmentally disabled. She's been in private practice since 2002. Katrine's primary focus is trauma processing through a technique called EMDR, which stands for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing, a highly effective method for processing pain, grief, and trauma. Katrine, welcome to Dunbean Come on Sickle. on, Katrine. Hi, thank you for the introduction. So you've been uh, listening in, uh -huh. and uh, I'm sure you have a lot to say. Okay, yeah, there's, um, you know, um, I agree with all, all you were talking about, and you were talking about, you know, uh, dating while you are depressed, you know, it's an issue. <clears throat> I think, you know, there's also two different types of depression. The first one is you can be clinically depressed, so that's, you know, a, a chemical imbalance in your body. And if you are chemically depressed, then you definitely need to bear medication to manage that. And I don't know if Sharon was, um, you know, um, clinically depressed or it was situational. She said, you know, for her, it started with postpartum depression. And often, and I don't know if she was treated for postpartum depression, 
but often that can then go on, you know, and continue into a depression if not treated properly. Uh, the other depression is often, you know, caused by situations and circumstances. Maybe somebody, a loved one passed away, uh, divorce is a very uh, a big, you know, that people get depre depressed after a divorce, um, a car accident, you know, like I said, losing a loved one, uh, stress at work. There's a myriad of, of um, issues that can come up that can, you know, really cause somebody to feel sad and depressed and stressed and what have you. So, you know, that's a very um, important distinction mm -hmm. to be made. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times, you know, people are depressed because they never developed, you know, good coping mechanisms or never developed good tools or they started medication and then didn't follow through. Because, you know, I think uh, lots of times I've seen many people in my practice that, you know, they were like clinically depressed. And I uh, would tell them you can come here every week and talk to me, but nothing is going to change because you're too depressed to learn coping mechanisms. Right. So once I convinced them to at least try it out, um, you know, they couldn't believe the difference. And then when you feel emotionally better, then you can really embrace different new coping mechanisms. I agree with that. Uh, I will say that I'm a big fan of Ativan. Well, that's for anxiety. <laughs> it has been, yes, it has been my best friend at times. <laughs> uh, and I will say this, you know, I, you know, I take it as needed and it does help you sort of gives you it, it makes you just peaceful enough that you're able to go wait a minute okay I can handle this it's it gives you I'm all for you know whatever it takes no one no one should suffer I'm not right, a huge fan right. of uh, of pharmaceuticals but I will tell you that yes they are lifesavers Mm -hmm. And it and it is it enables you to just get your head around something. It gives you enough time to sort of decompress to, to you know feel like okay, I can get a grip here. Exactly, you know, <clears throat> and, and and you know, like with anxiety and depression, it's it's like what is first, what comes first, the chicken or the eggs. The act, you know, often anxiety and depression go hand in hand. It starts off with anxiety, and then it becomes you become very depressed or a lot of people are depressed and also suffer from a lot of anxiety and you know when the anxiety is is often you know because we overthink things we have a hard time you know people with anxiety have a hard time to be in the moment they're always way ahead of themselves and mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. i use this uh, this phrase and it says worry is a misuse of your imagination yes and it yes. means you always, you know, go to the what if place, what if this, what if that. And, and you forget, you know, the only thing that matters is just the here and now. And I tell people sometimes just focus on, you know, everything is okay right now. You don't yes. need to go to next week or next month or to tomorrow. You just need to focus on the here and now. And that's for a lot of people is, you know, very hard to do. And, yes. you know, often anxiety is... Um, I find it that often people suffer from anxiety be because maybe they come from a background or a childhood where one of the parents were extremely anxious or where, you know, you had these helicopter parents that were like, you know, painting the outside world as a very dangerous place. So then often if you are raised by parents that are so anxious, then of course you take on those traits as well. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, Katrine... Where uh -huh. were you? Where were you when I was a basket case? <laughs> well, I was around. This is good. This is well. You you know what? You knew me when I was a basket case. Exactly. Actually, yeah. Okay. So, uh, Sharon, Sharon, are you Sharon? Feel is free any to chime of this, in on... is this resonating with you at all? Oh yeah, a lot of it is. I mean, mine is. Um, my depression is situational, and um, I mean, what triggered? I think pretty much everything. My self hatred and that I felt I needed to be punished was when I had an abortion at 17 and then I then got an eating disorder because I didn't handle that. I just pushed down my feelings. So it was, for me, it was a whole cycle of different mm -hmm. mental illnesses throughout. So, you know, uh, Sharon, and you know, having an abortion at 17, did you ever process that experience? No. You see, and that's because what I see often when people come in with depression or anxiety, 
underneath it all is trauma. And your trauma at age 17 was obviously the abortion you had and you felt guilt and shame about it. And since you never properly processed it, it was kind of, you pushed it in, you know, you compartmentalized it and pushed it away. But then sooner or later, you know, it keeps on coming up, you get triggered. And then, you know, things often over time gets worse. And that's, that's why, uh, you know, and uh, 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 Trevor and what we're mentioning that, you know, I do EMDR and this is a very interesting way to process trauma like, you know, what you suffered rather quickly. Uh, and that often once, you know, the trauma is processed, then and you start to feel much better about yourself, because when you process stuff, uh, whether it's through talk therapy or cognitive behavior therapy or through EMDR, you know, it kind of fades into the background. But when it's when it's unprocessed material, like maybe that, you know, uh, abortion was, it's kind of it's stuck in your nervous system. Mm-hmm. And, and it's and it's get triggered. And then you get the same type of feelings coming up, you know, uh, even 10, 20 years later. Interesting. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It, nothing gets better with age. If you don't treat it, it just it does exactly. not. Exactly. Except so, mine. <laughs> And I also want to kind of jump in a little bit. Sure. <clears throat> you said something about, you know, depression and dating. And, you know, I always tell people, you first need to work on yourself. You first need to really become the best version of yourself. Because, you know, she guys also mentioned, when you are not in a good place, you also attract other people that are not in a good place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. Yes. So I think if you first yourself, you you need to learn to embrace yourself and up your self-esteem and become assertive and really feel strong and, and, you know, empowered. Because when you you feel that way, then it's also when you meet people, you give out this this vibe of being confident, being self-assured. And that will attract uh, somebody else who who also feels confident and self-assured. So, Katrine, how, you know, obviously we all are different. We all process things differently. Uh-huh. How can we keep ourselves from going dark internally? How can we keep ourselves on a stronger, better path instead of going to the dark place first? Well, I think, you know, if you if you think about depression, depression in and by itself is actually not that bad in certain because it's it also kind of tells you when there's something going on, when you feel dark. It's like you have to question yourself what's going on with you right now. What is it? What is triggering this darkness and this sadness? And if you have no and if you don't know why. Or if you know it's because maybe I I feel lonely, I feel alone, uh, or maybe I just broke up with somebody or I got into a fight with a friend, Um, you know, so it also depends. Then you need to kind of take a step step back and, and really thinking what triggered this and what can I do about it? If you maybe were in a fight with a friend, maybe you need to call up that friend and make amends. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, people are very stubborn and become very black and white. You know, one person say something or does something that uh, you don't like and you push him to the curb, you know. And, right. and I tell people life is in the gray area. It's not either this or that. You know, everybody comes uh, with luggage. You know, sure. you, you when you look at your friends, you like them because of for the good qualities they have. And there's also qualities you don't like that much, but you know, it's kind of a, you balance it out. And, and it's, you know, with depression, I think uh, what I always suggest to my clients when they are depressed is, you know, just grab a piece of paper and just write down whatever is going on in your head. I'm feeling sad, I'm pissed off at work, I'm, you know, whatever comes to mind, just your raw emotions uh, on the paper. All of this is sounding so reminiscent because, as I was saying in, um, at the top of the show, that when I was single, dating when you're either when you have anxiety disorder or when you're when you've got depression, it's just it's just brutal tough. I I, I can't even I can't. It's just so hard because dating is hard, unfortunately. Dating is you know 
it's tough. And then you add in that, it, it is just heightens everything. How in the world do we date? How do, can, can people date and they should date because the pursuit of love is critical? Um, well, you know, how do you do it and keep your wits about you? Not freak out, not go to the dark side. Uh-huh. How do you do that? Well, you know, I think, like I said, you first have to be in, you know, really be in a good place yourself, kind of feeling confident, feeling assertive. And then whether you go to, um, you know, to these dating apps, you know, it's it's nowadays, it seems it's hard to meet people on these dating sites. But I tell people just use it as a, you know, as a uh, an experience. You go with people for coffee, you either click or you don't. You don't make a whole, you know, make it a whole afternoon or a whole evening unless you meet somebody that you click with. But you have to look at it. It's a good experience. The more you do it, the better you get at it. If I see a lot of clients that absolutely don't like the dating apps. So then it's like join a group, join a volleyball team, play softball, you know, join a tennis group, mm-hmm. uh, you know, do ceramics, but also create different circles of friends where you meet people. Yes. yes. So it, it, it's also... It takes the pressure um, off. Huh? It takes the pressure off of one-on-one when you're, um, when you're anxious. And yeah, so exactly. So there's not so much pressure. Exactly. You know, when, and when you're doing something that you like to do, uh, like we all play tennis. We love playing tennis and we yes. meet a lot of fun people. And, you know, and it's, and it's a great experience. And, and I think a lot of times people get lonely because, um, you know, their level of interest is maybe quite narrow and they need to maybe expand a little bit or they need to put themselves out there. They need to overcome the anxiety of putting themselves out there. But, you know, uh, nobody's going to come knocking at your door if you don't put yourself out there. Right. So what are some signs? I have a list here because I did a little research. Okay. And I'm going to ask both you and Sharon. Okay. Yes or no, true or false. Okay. These are little, these are signs. Either you're, you are depressed, you're dating depressed, or you're dating a depressed person. Even if you are in love, you may not feel like it all the time. False. False, you say. Sharon, can you feel I'm in love. I feel it. I don't... Did yeah, you but f- not all the time. Did you feel it with Jorge? Yeah. Yeah. I loved having him in my life. Yeah. Okay. So you can feel, you can still feel, you still have emotional response, even though you may be depressed. Well, yes. I feel deeply. I mean, depression is feeling deeply one way and my empathy is feeling very deeply another way. So I've always, that's my problem is that I feel so deeply that I feel the pain so deeply and I don't let it go. So is this your pain or his pain? Well, the whole situation is complicated because he's not legal here, but we don't have to go into that. Okay. But, yeah, yeah. yeah, that is, no, but what I'm saying is, you know, when you feel deeply, is it just for yourself or sometimes you feel too deep about the other person and no, what that other person is going through? I feel, I feel everyone's pain. I walk uh-huh. past a homeless person. I feel their pain. Right, I see, oh right. my God, I can't go into a warm place. They dying to take a shower. They have nowhere to go. I mean, this is, and I live in New York City where I pass by a lot of homeless people. I'm extremely empathetic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I'm going to jump ahead because I have a question that pertains to this. And that is, how do you stop yourself from taking on someone else's pain and becoming codependent? Shall I answer that question? Sure. Yeah, that is, uh, of course, I've seen many uh, codependent people um, in my private practice. And and the thing of it is that codependency starts when you don't have clear boundaries, where you start doing for the other person when that person should be doing for themselves. And, you know, uh, and, and especially in a relationship when uh, if maybe you date, let's say you're sharing, you're dating somebody and you realize the guy is pretty controlling and before you know it, you give in, you give in, you give in. And before you know it, you are, you know, reduced to nothing because you've given away all your power. Right. So it's, it's really, that's why it's so important when you date from the get go to be assertive and set clear boundaries. Which is my next question. How do you okay. set boundaries? Wait, but before you answer that, 
Are we think going we, to a break? We are going to go to a break. Let's go to a break. And I need another glass of wine. Okay, we're going to do that. Okay. So uh, we are going to take a, a quick break, and we will be right back. Okay, we are back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Sharon, you have oh. uh, something you'd like to add here. Yeah, it was really interesting um, when it was noted that when you're broken, you attract broken people. And I kept attracting people who were just out of their heads. And I was like, what is it? I'm, am I wearing a sign on my head that says, hey, I'm all messed up. You know, come say hello to me if you are too. It was so interesting about that. That, And, and it was females. You know, I met female friends and they were just so screwed up. They made me look normal. It was, it's very interesting how broken attracts broken. Yes, I, I, uh-huh. yes, I will say uh, firsthand, I know that to be true. The opposite also applies that when you're healthy and whole and uh, feeling good, you tend to uh, magnetize or attract people that feel the same way, that magnetize, that are in alignment and magnetize to your frequency, that vibrate to your frequency, as they say. So I do understand that, Sharon. Yeah. And I also think that there is, something about feeling less than maybe a little needy maybe a little uh, broken that tends to attract people that could prey on that as well mm-hmm. so not just fellow broken people but people because that... i think when you're needy that's when you attract people that you know that tend to be more self-absorbed and narcissistic and then before you knew it know it you're in a relationship that is not you know on an even keel Yes. And that's when, you know, you were talking about uh, when people get divorced uh, or when people get married, then they married and then they, they want to get divorced because they are so miserable in the relationship because maybe it has become, a, 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 you know, a codependent relationship where they lost their own sense of self in that relationship. Uh, I, and they yes. get out of it to, to regain their own strength and their own sense of self again. Yes, I recognize a lot of myself in that because I have to curb my codependent tendencies, which were established early in life. And they have not served me well. You know, they have served me. You know why? Because I know now I know. And now I can help people too. And I have, uh, I'm a big fan of boundaries, as I, as Robbie knows. Mm-hmm. I really, I advocate for people taking responsibility for their emotional well-being. That's a biggie for me. Yeah, you know, I always tell people, you know, being happy, it's really all about good communication and having clear boundaries. So you know where you stop or start and where the other one, you know, stop and start. Because otherwise, um, yeah, you, you, you don't feel good about yourself if you cannot be authentic, because that's what happens. If you lose your sense sense of self and you lose the sense of being authentic, then, you know, you, you just don't feel good about yourself anymore. No, and there is a saying that water seeks its own level. Oh, I never heard that one before. Yeah, old saying, but think about uh-huh. it. Isn't that true? And if it doesn't seek its own level, it seeks something that, that they can heal. Or, I mean, that's codependency. When, you, when you're with someone that, and you feel that you can fix them, or change them, or correct them, or repair them, or heal them. That also isn't necessarily healthy either. Yeah, I think if you if you feel that way, then you should run the other way. Because no, no, you know, it's that myth that people often, you know, they get married and they think, oh yeah, there's a couple of issues, but they probably resolve themselves once we are married. You know what I always tell people: what you see now is what you're going to get. The essence of people does not change. So Katrina, I have a, a question, and this is kind of a, a little bit of the flip side, is how should potential partners react to people that have experienced trauma, that have been through depression, that have possibly tried to commit suicide unsuccessfully? And how what what is the sensitivities like for a potential partner? Because these people are on the, hopefully on the mend to heal themselves uh, if you were putting yourself out there how should these potential partners men or women treat this person that has gone through this experience 
You know what? I think nowadays almost everybody has some level of trauma in their life. And of course, some are smaller, other ones are, are rather big, like, you know, what Sharon went through. But, you know, I think if you feel good about yourself and you are, you've gotten in a, in a better place where you feel more confident and assertive, then it's also you empower yourself. And, and it's like, you know, we all have a past, we all have a history. And I think it also depends on how do you feel today that you don't look at it like now I'm still stigmatized from the past. No, you've worked through your past. You've worked through it. And as a result, you've, you've become confident and self-assured. And, and therefore, if you will meet somebody and you're really quick, it's, it doesn't become like, oh, I have to tell you. It comes up naturally in conversation. Yeah, I've in the past, I dealt with some depression, but you know, that was like, you know, five, 10 years ago. And, you know, so it becomes like a normal issue that happened, you know, to somebody in their past. Uh, and you're not gonna, you know, bring it with you. You're gonna bring it with you if you're still depressed or you're still haven't dealt with the trauma from your past, then you, you, yeah, you're bringing it then with you in that relationship. But I think if you are yourself in a better place, then, uh, and you meet somebody who is in a good place, you know what, it, it's really about what's, what's happening in the here and now. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, nobody can move forward if we look at all the, because everybody has luggage from the past. But yes. do we want to carry it with us in a new relationship or do we say, you know what, I used to have a lot of luggage, but I'm pretty much resolved now. I'm, you know, and, and you can pick up on the vibes mm -hmm. of somebody where they're at. So if you found okay. yours, if you find your, yes, Sharon, of course. The, it, my situation, it's not like that at all. My situation, first of all, it was only two years ago. Uh -huh. I wrote a book and I, and I need to I need to tell people because I'm out there and I want to give speeches and everything. So it's not that I could keep it secret and and suicide has a stigma to it. So uh -huh. it's not easy like that when it, when a situation like mine. If I was homeless, if I was an alcoholic, anything else would be fine. But suicide, oh yeah, no. My question is, if you find yourself in love with someone who's depressed or has anxiety disorder or someone who's attempted suicide, what do you do? What do you do? You don't run for the hills. You love them. You want to you want to help them. How do you do that and still have healthy boundaries for yourself? Well, I think, you know, uh, like they say, love conquers all. It's about being supportive. You know, I think when you meet somebody and, and they are supportive and you tell them whatever happened to you in the past and they are supportive of you, uh, and you feel they hear you, I think that's one of the most important things. You know, often in relationship, especially with men, they want to fix you. And, you know, people don't need to be fixed. They just want to be hurt. They want to feel validated. I think that's the most important thing. I agree. And Sharon, to your point, I, I, I'm going to just reiterate what I said earlier, that uh, your experience makes you uh, someone special. And, and it's all in how you spin it, I think. And it needn't be a stigma. And it needn't be um, some kind of, I don't know, something that discounts you. I think it makes you awesome because you have so much more uh, depth and enlightenment than most people have. And that's something to feel proud of. And I, I feel the same way about myself, you know. I've... I, I was single for a very long time. I went through the gamut, the range of ups and downs and de little depressions and big depressions and panic and anxiety attacks. And uh, I bring all of that to uh, who I am as a, as a person and as a life coach, I can really identify it and help people because I was that person. Mm -hmm. And it's the same issue and you can also look at it <clears throat> this whole experience propelled you to write a book about it. So I'm quite sure you're going to have a lot of people reaching out to you. They went to similar experiences and who have come to the other side, you know, stronger and better than ever before. Do you feel stronger and better than ever before? Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm a totally different person. And, and my book 
explains my dysfunctional thinking because people don't understand depression. They don't understand suicide. How could you be so selfish? You have kids. They don't understand. And my book went into all of what I was oh, thinking. Good. Uh huh. Thinking. So I want to I want to help people understand depression, suicide, and, and get rid of the stigma. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's it's great that you know you used your experience to write about it and to write about your pain and everything you went through. Um, and 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 now your book can become a tool for many people to you know get a better understanding what it means to be so depressed that you try to kill yourself. So glad you didn't, Sharon. Uh, yes, Sharon. Sharon, <laughs> tell us more about. Yeah, is this, I, I did a pretty good job though. <laughs> you did good. Well, not good enough. Yeah, not good enough. Still. Oh, well. Yeah. Oh. Underachieving well, there well, too. Well, okay. Jesus, Sharon, get your fucking um, act together. So, uh, Sharon, uh, the, when is is the book have a, a publishing date? Is there when? What's the plan for that? No, I am, I am currently scouting for an agent. Okay. And then we'll proceed from there. Wonderful. Oh, wow. Right Great. on. Katrine, how can people find you? Well, they can find me. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, and they can just Google me. There's only one Katrine Villamil. Can you spell your name? C-A-T-R-I-E-N. And the last ma- name is Villamil. V is in Victor. I-L-L-A-M-I-L. I'm not Latina. I'm originally from the Netherlands. Okay. Yes. And I am Trevor Brandon Scharf. And if you want to know more about me and my coaching services and how I can help you get unstuck and remove your blocks and achieve your personal best in life and love, find me at trevorbrandonscharf.com. And I am her husband. And you can find me at donebeingsingle.com. Oh, and yes, follow us at done, at donebeingsingle on Twitter. Instagram, so Facebook. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Dr. Katrine. Thank you, honey. Thank this you. This has baby. been a, a incredible. Yeah, hour. and you know, it's not the sexiest topic. No, but, but man, it is some deep shit. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I'm not a doctor. I'm a psychotherapist. Whatever your doctor well, you're doing. A doctor, <laughs> please. Come on. So you got initials after your name. It's something. Okay. Yeah, you got initials. Yeah. And you're a hell of a tennis player. Uh, right. Thank you. Yes. I'm on the mend. Okay. Aren't get, we get all, better. though? Seriously. <laughs> I am, too, after last weekend. Okay. All right. Thank you both for being on the show, and uh, this has been a great, great hour. It's been awesome. Thank yes. you. Okay. Thanks, So guys. we'll be back next week. Right with on. another episode of Done Being Single. Okay. Okay, guys. Nice Bye, talking everybody. to you all. You, too. Bye. Bye. I'm Shadow Stevens with my friends, Trevor and Robbie. See you next week on Done Being Single.